Welcome to the Go Well podcast. This is Kate Mercer and today I'm talking with Trish Thompson all about psychotherapy, counselling and relationships. Trish Thompson is a clinical counsellor, psychotherapist and supervisor in private practice in Melbourne, Australia. Trish was a secondary school teacher and then school counsellor for many years before completing her Masters of Counselling. She now works with individuals, couples and other relationship structures and has also facilitated therapy groups for many years. Trish has taught in a number of counselling training programs, including the Bachelor of Counselling program at the Australian College of Applied Psychology. She has a strong interest in mentoring counsellors, particularly through group supervision, and has worked in a number of community-based settings, particularly with the LGBTIQ plus community. Welcome to the Go Well program, Tris Thompson. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. I guess if we can start, you're a counsellor and a psychotherapist, is that right? That's, that's correct, yeah. 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 So how would you explain the differences between a psychotherapist and a psychologist and a psychiatrist? Yes, I think it's a good question because it does confuse people. Um, you know, there, are, there is so much overlap, of course, but there are some differences as well. Um, I guess, you know, perhaps a psychiatrist is maybe the easiest one to understand in that um, they are a medically trained um, professional who has done extra um, study around, you know, understanding the the mind. Um, They can diagnose and um, prescribe medication. So um, which psychologists, um, counsellors, psychotherapists cannot do in terms of the medication aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, Psychologists have had, um, you know, in their training, quite an emphasis on diagnostic understandings. So um, mm, yeah. GPs, GPs refer to psychologists mm. um, when, when, you know, something has been identified like, um, you know, depression, anxiety, those types of mental health disorders. And then psychologists um, will work through a particular treatment plan with that individual. Um, it often involves things like CBT or evidence-based therapies um, and there's quite um, um, a liaising between the the GP and the psychologist around the treatment of that individual so it really sits within a medical model as does psychiatry Mm -hmm. and then counselling and psychotherapy while you know again the training that we have is similar to that of a psychologist um, we are more um, trained in terms of working with the client um, on a quite a, a personal level, a, a deeper understanding of, of who they are as people, what perhaps what different things in their lives have led to the experiences that they're currently having. Mm. Um, so less of an emphasis on a diagnosis, more of an emphasis on um, working through the issues that the client presents. Mm. Also, the the amount of time in training for each of those professions is also quite varied, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's very similar for a psychologist and a counsellor and psychotherapist. I think it's um, pretty much the same. Um, and, of course, very different for a psychiatrist. Um, many yeah. more years there, yeah. 
Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So psychology and psychotherapists, counsellors, all about the same, which is how, which is what, one to two years or something? Is no, that it's more like, um, more like four to five years. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Well, it's good to get that clear. Okay. Thanks yeah. for um, explaining that. Um, so essentially the difference I'm getting between going to a psychologist and a counsellor specifically is that a counsellor does not diagnose. Is that right? That's, that's, you know, a pretty good way of putting it, um, you know, that's, yeah, we're not um, diagnostically, um, mm. you know, the emphasis isn't, isn't there, even though at times, given that, um, you know, that the clients we work with, um, the things that we're presented with, you can't help but, you know, form opinions and ideas, but um, mm. certainly someone wouldn't be sent to a counsellor or a psychotherapist in order to get a diagnosis, as they might with a psychologist. You know, um, someone mm -hmm. might be sent to a psychologist for a diagnosis of something like ADHD or um, PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, mm. you know, it's very interesting. Sort of yeah, it's really interesting, this diagnosis area, I, I think, because uh, it seems that it's something that people want a lot of the time is to get a label to know what they yeah. have. Would you, would you, would you I agree? Do. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I do agree with that. Um, certainly not everyone. I think mm. sometimes people feel labels to be, you know, perhaps frightening or limiting or, mm. um, you know, too all-encompassing. But then other people, you know, often they'll say things like, oh, what's wrong with me? I just, I don't, I just don't understand. I, there must be something wrong with me. And you can hear that um, yearning for an explanation. And um, when clients say that repeatedly, it's, um, I think... Mm clearer mm. that some kind of label could be useful for them mm -mm. okay and just before we move off the professions in terms of telehealth and the number of uh or being referred by a gp that wouldn't happen ever through for a counselor or psychotherapist is that right well um gps don't typically refer to counselors or psychotherapists you know mm. they've got a very um you know, the pathways are fairly clear to psychology. Mm -hmm. um, so counsellors and psychotherapists tend to pick up their referrals in other ways um, through their networks of, you know, other professionals, um, other counsellors, maybe, you know, other holistic type therapies, but not GPs. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So then if a person wanted to go and see a counsellor or a psychotherapist, What's the best way? Uh, are there are there websites or anything that you could yes. refer people to uh, to find accredited and and make sure they're seeing people who are well qualified? Absolutely. So um, the best way is to go to the PACFA website, mm. um, and PACFA stands for the um, Psychotherapists and Counsellors Federation of Australia. Okay. Um, and we have a website that. Um, there's, you know, a register of uh, clinical uh, counsellors and psychotherapists who are, are available to see clients. Well, that's fantastic. And the last question around all of this is, can they claim it? Uh, so it doesn't, and, and can they, are you using counsellors and psychotherapists using online platforms or telehealth or anything like that? Yes, currently? they certainly are. Um, I mean, some of that was happening before COVID, um, but certainly COVID, um, you know, across the board for psychologists as well, telehealth has become, um, you know, a very key way to mm, mm. continue to offer um, clients, 
you know, mental health support. Um, so yes, counsellors and psychotherapists do it as well. And in terms of rebates, not through the Medicare system, um, that's very much the domain of psychologists, um, social workers and occupational therapists, but um, private health insurance rebates um, mm. are available for counselling and psychotherapy, um, you know, depending on the, the level of cover and, you know, the, the, which, which, you know, private health insurer you're using. Mm, okay, so that makes it more a different sort of a scenario, doesn't it? So in other words, they're paying for it. But then, okay, so let's just talk about um, the types of people who who you're seeing. Um, and, um, yeah, let's start. Let's start there. Who who do you find that there's a particular sector of people that come to see you, or it's varied? Yep. Look, it is varied, um, but given that I'm also um, a trained relationship counsellor, I do see a lot of couples. Mm -hmm. um, couples therapy um, isn't um, covered by the Medicare system. So I mm. guess, um, you know, there's a, a, an, an opportunity there, I guess, for counsellors and psychotherapists to, to do that um, relationship work. Um, you know, couples or other structures of relationships um, is an area that I, I work in. Um, so I guess for me, uh, the, the client base really tends to be um, a word of mouth type um, situation where, you know, I see clients, perhaps they're happy with the work and they, you know, refer other people that they know. Um, I, you know, also work quite um, specifically, I guess, with the LGBTIQ community. Um, I've also worked in areas of um, people living with HIV as well. So for me, there have been a number of areas where, um, you know, I've kind of known in that, that field and people will come to me because of that. Okay, so let's talk now a bit more about some of the processes that you use. But maybe the first question, if I can ask you, is uh, what do you think your clients really want when they sit on the couch and reveal mm. something of themselves to you? Yeah, yeah. No, I think most people, when they come to talk to someone, really want to be understood and to be heard. Um, you know, they perhaps often don't necessarily get that in their lives. Um, and it's, I think, a yearning that we all have, really, that there's someone else who's going to really listen and say, yeah, I really get that, or well, that makes sense, or I hear how you're feeling, it makes sense how you're feeling. Um, so, you know, that validation of the experience is, is, can be very healing in itself before you even get into, well, how do we mm. deal with this? Mm -hmm. Just to be listened to. And, um, and, and you talk about um, creative health responses that you use with your clients. Can you give examples of some of those? Hmm. Um, I guess there are a number of things that, that you can be doing that, kind of um, enhances just that, that normal type of, you know, talk therapy, whether it be, um, you know, sometimes it's kind of like a, a role play or psychodrama type um, scenario where you might just move into a, okay, you know, I'll have a conversation with you as if I am your partner mm. or your friend or your, your mm -hmm. work colleague. Um, mm -hmm. It might be... Um, something that's called two-chair work taken from um, gestalt practices, also emotion therapy practices, where 
you get someone to um, talk to another part of themselves, you know, and imagine that part in another chair and create a dialogue um, mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. two different parts. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes will use things like, um, you know, different cards, picture cards, um, just to get people tapping into another part of their brain, you know, that visual part or... Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there are, you know, in, in some ways the list is endless what you can come mm. up with mm. in terms mm. of just um, getting people thinking, you know, a bit differently about, you know, their issue or, you know, who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm interested actually in just going back to labels and diagnoses again uh, mm-hmm. because you sent through an article for me to look at recently. Um, where you were talking about borderline personality disorder, which is also complex trauma disorder, which is also emotional mm-hmm. dysregulation disorder. It does <laughs> seem there are a lot of disorders out there these days. Um, can you talk about those particular types of disorders? Are we seeing more of those t- types of disorders? Or? Mm. I, I don't know if we're necessarily seeing more of them. Um, uh, you know, I think they've, they've always been around, but perhaps there's just a bit more of understanding about them um, in the community. People are speaking more about them. Um, you know, as, as, you know, a lot of areas of mental health, there are just more conversations happening in the community. Mm. So, um, so it doesn't mean there's more of them. Um, do, do you think it's also, though, because they are now in the DSM-5, it's like, I mean, if you... You know, it'd be interesting even to compare all the DSM right back to number one, wouldn't it? Which is the manual, mm. the go-to manual. If people mm. don't understand what DSM five is, that's where everyone goes in the profession to look at uh, what the the criteria. I guess is that right for yeah, that, these disorders? That, that's mm. right, and you know the, those disorders like borderline have you know been in um, the DSM for quite a while. You know, I don't know back to which number, but mm. um, certainly. But certainly before five, um, mm, mm. Said, yeah, they've been understood for some time now. Mm. It does make me feel that to understand more about themselves or something, I don't know, it comes back to just people, more people suffering, doesn't it? Yeah, I th- well, again, I think it's, it's about um, there are more conversations happening. I think people have been suffering mm. for a long time okay. in a variety of ways, mm. but there, there are... There, conversations and dialogues happening um Mm. there's more Mm. on the internet there you know there's Mm. more in the media so people are starting to get a sense of oh okay there is something that explains how i'm feeling and i think um anxiety is a really good example of this like perhaps even 10 15 years ago a lot of people were experiencing anxiety but didn't have an um Mm. you know a clear word for it Um, Mm. Mm. You know, so there might be a sense of, oh, there's an anxiety ep- epidemic going on at the moment. It's just that people are now understanding, well, this is what I'm experiencing. This is the mm. name for it. I love what you say as well about um, being a fellow traveller. I think that's oh. wonderful. And uh, when I saw you at the uh, the recent create, Creative Arts Forum um, and you sort of acted out that with somebody else, uh, I think that's wonderful the way that, that those relationships are now changing. It must be very yeah. difficult, though, as a practitioner to, I don't know, that's, there's got to be some sort of a power relationship as well at the same time as you being a fellow traveller, wouldn't there be? Oh, that, that's right, that's right. And um, this is something that um, 
Irvin Yellum, who's um, an American psychiatrist, psychotherapist, um, writer, um, has been speaking about for some time, is that, yes, there's definitely a power dynamic. You are um, the clinician, you provide a service, there is a fee um, mm. that is, is very clear, but nevertheless, um, you are also a human being that also suffers and has challenges and difficulties and certainly I think what I've felt in my work is that when people um, get a sense of of that kind of human side of you um, they feel Mm. even more held or um, Mm. understood and there's a sense of trust that comes with that Um, Mm. so you know navigating that line is the Mm. hard part you know being Mm. the professional but also being the human being in that Mm. relationship the other thing that I've always thought is then you create that really good trusting relationship with that person and they reveal themselves to you, which I, I'd imagine would have to happen over a long period of time. But one mm. day that relationship ends. I mean, it must be an incredibly hard That's thing right. for the patient to let go of that relationship. Yes, look, it, it can be as it can be for also for the, the therapist when you, mm. uh, you invest um, in a, a client over many years um, and then, yeah, it comes to an end, as, as it mostly always does. <laughs> um, mm. That's kind of the way that therapy goes, that um, there's a purpose and then when the purpose is no longer there, it finishes. Um, mm. So for, mm. for the client, I think, yes, it, there can be a loss, but there can also be a sense of um, fulfilment or achievement or something that's been completed and something to be proud of. So, yeah. yeah, and I love actually, so Marsha Linehan, who's the developer of dialectical behavioural therapy, which you use a lot, DBT, uh, mm-hmm. says that healing requires the dialectical work of both radical accept- acceptance as well as embracing the need for change and building a life worth living. So I suppose when that mm-hmm. relationship ends, that's what you sort of must be like almost letting a bird fly, you know, like. Yes, that's, that's right must be amazing. Yeah. must be amazing to be in that position. Yes, that's a really lovely way of putting it, you know, letting a bird fly. Um, it's gorgeous, actually. Um, mm, mm. It, is, it is a great thing um, to have a sense of, you know, we've done this work together and change has happened and life is better. And, you know, I do get a, um, a sense of, well, that person is out in the world and doing well and that's great. Mm. Really good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, well, look, I've come to the end of my questions list officially. <laughs> so is there anything else that you'd like to add, uh, Trish? Yeah, um, so I think the work that um, that I have been doing with a um, particular client, that one that you saw um, mm. present, that we presented at the Creative Arts um, Conference retreat, um, sort of came from... A belief that the client voice needs to be more, more present in the conversations that we're having about mental health. Um, mm, very yeah. often, the, you know, you, you hear from the, the mental health professionals and, you know, they talk to one another and they talk to other people about the work that happens. But the client voice is crucial in this. Um, we can say what we think works and what makes a difference, but really it's the client who determines that what's helped them. Um, 
sometimes what I think might help them might not be what they think helps them. We could actually have a different idea about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So having those dialogues between therapist and client is useful in in the first place um, Mm. so that there's actually knowledge about the process between the two of us and then, you know, in the community to hear from the the consumers is the current term for people who... um, seek services from mental health professionals what do they say what's their lived experience what's important to them um it's mm. what i want you know to see more of as a lot of professionals do there's more and more of this starting to happen where the client voice is represented yeah it's an interesting topic isn't it because i think then that comes down to how well that person can articulate how they're feeling mm-hmm. um, and if you've got a mental health issue sometimes that must be I mean it's hard enough anyway isn't it to sometimes it's like when the doctor says to you where's your pain and how does it feel is it a jabbing pain or is it a you know sometimes you can't describe it mm, yes it can be hard to describe it um, that's true but you know when I think of all the clients I've had over the years I don't think there are many that I would think you know would struggle to to talk about it, you know, if okay. given the opportunity, um, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps some would take to that idea better than others. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think if given the opportunity that, yeah, they, they would know what to say. Oh, that's fantastic then. Well, that's fantastic. That's really, well, it's wonderful to have you on the on the program and, and talking about this, uh, Trish Thompson. Um, can, if people want to find out more, is there, is there any, would you like people to contact you or is there anything? Yeah, that, yeah that's, they're welcome to do that. Um, probably an email address would, would work well to, to contact me. I'd be happy to engage in conversations that people might like to have. Okay, sure. Okay, well, we'll uh, share that on our Go Well Radio Facebook page after right. after this uh, goes to air. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. It's a pleasure, Kate. Thanks for having me.